Hello and welcome to Overinvested, a podcast about pop culture obsession. I'm Morgan and this is my co-host Gavia. Hello. So this week we are discussing the BBC America's new hit Killing Eve, a Hannibal-esque serial killer dramedy from Phoebe Waller-Bridge starring Sandra Oh as a dissatisfied member of the British Secret Intelligence Service and Jodie Comer as an assassin with whom she becomes obsessed. The show's finale airs Sunday, May 27th, so you may or may not have seen it by the time you listen to this episode, but we will be discussing the series generally with spoils for some later episodes, not the finale near the end. Uh, This show has become a huge hit in the scale of uh, cable TV dramas in the 21st century uh, recently. Because it's very, very good. Yes, it's great. (laughs) I believe every episode the ratings have gone up, which is almost unheard of in this day and age or really ever on television. It is like a huge, buzzy word of mouth thing. I started watching the first episode like when it aired because the reviews were just so through the roof good and I was immediately hooked. I think I emailed you that night and was like, you have to watch this show. It's so good. It's so good. Um, and it has proven to be consistently incredibly entertaining and not perfect, I think, which is interesting in a way. And we'll get into that. But absolutely fantastic and one of my favorite things on television so there's a lot to a lot to chew on a lot of the press revolving around this at the beginning was that sandra oh who was one of the sort of secondary leads on Grey's anatomy for i think around a decade had basically gone four plus years without getting almost any work because she's an asian canadian woman which is depressing and horrible and she is the lead in this show and is absolutely well there are two leads in the show she's sort of the publicly the nominal lead and she is just incredible in it and i think a lot of the energy around the show aside from it just being so good is her performance her kind of re-emerging as like clearly a huge star she's so charismatic as is jodie comer which we'll talk about um but also just the fact that this is a show that is so unbelievably about women clearly written by women primarily Um, and it's super fun is the thing yeah exactly to describe it you're like it is a thriller like it's very easy to compare to Hannibal um even though it's not like super similar but it's similar in the sense that it's this cat and mouse thriller where someone's kind of hunting after an assassin slash serial killer um and it's also kind of a rom-com between those two characters I I feel like if you've not kind of seen a trailer maybe or like seen any of the show, it's quite easy to assume that because this is a critically acclaimed show, it's going to be really serious and it's going to be like, yes, we've made like a drama with women and this is really intensive and it's great to get so much female representation on television. And it's literally hilarious. Like I literally keep kind of exclaiming out loud during episodes like, this is so fun. Because obviously <laughs> Sandra O. Oh, once you've been on a Shonda Rhimes show for that long, you like the amount of practice you get in, like she was already amazing, but I'm assuming like the amount of practice you get in at like the whole range of human emotion is astounding. Uh, and she has like great comedic timing. And then the woman who's playing Villanelle, the assassin, is just so freaking weird because she's just playing someone who is having so much fun in her life, which is the main similarity with Hannibal. Yes. Because... She's just so kind of quirky, but without it edging into that sort of manic pixie dream girl murderer zone. It never feels like it's following that kind of stereotype. It's just 
people who have their own weirdnesses who are also women. Yes. Well, the thing that's so great about the show are the characters. Yes. The plot is basically that Eve, Sandra O's character, gets fired from whatever exact branch of the like government she's working for. I, yeah, it's probably kind of, say, it's like a shitty MI5 desk job, I think. Yeah. And then gets hired by Fiona Shaw's character to basically be part of this secret operation. Yeah. And Fiona down. Shaw is essential. She's like kind of a, an M figure yes. like in Bond, but she, she's more in the sort of John the Carey zone where she's someone who's lived through the Cold War and she's this extremely accomplished person in the intelligence community. You get, you kind of see from other characters that people really respect her kind of backstory but she also is just hysterically funny <laughs> yes she is unbelievable i she's an incredible actor period um the thing i most associate with her is the uh one one person play based on colin tobin's novel about the virgin mary which is very different from this Whereas just, most viewers will probably know her as Aunt Petunia from the Harry Potter movies. Yes. I mean, she's done a lot of stuff, but I just keep thinking about that play, which was sadly cancelled very quickly. But like, she such, was such a formidable dramatic force in that. And this is just 180 shift. And she can do anything. She's so incredible. Yeah. She is so fucking funny on this show. She's low-key kind of my favorite part, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like this stern woman in late middle age who just does whatever she wants and is sort of not absent-minded, but just sort of st- says stuff in a sort of blithe way and then moves on. It's the kind of humor you see on things like The Good Wife. Yes, that's a very apt comparison. So she hires Eve to head up this tiny little secret task force, essentially. And the show progresses from there. And... All the stuff having to do with the actual spy stuff is a bit shoddy, I think. But at least for the first half of the show, maybe, it 100% does not matter at all. Because the characters are so compelling, the acting is so good, the writing of all the little character details is so just on point, that... You're just, I was just in it, like, 100%. And, and also, there's so many movies and TV shows that are about either hunting down a serial killer or trying to find a mole in an intelligence service. But there are no shows that have this kind of character dynamic where it's about, you know, people having a kind of sexually tinged serial killer obsession stalking each other while it's also an absurd comedy. Yes. Although it's not completely a comedy. No, no, it's definitely, I would not, I would obviously never classify the show as a comedy, but I think it's very notable in that it's clearly kind of positioned as a prestige drama, but is also really funny. Well, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who wrote it, uh, is best known for Fleabag, which I shamefully have not seen. I haven't seen it and I'm not going to see it, but one of my friends is obsessed with it, so I've heard all about how brilliant it is. Yes, uh, I really need to watch it. I've heard from many, many, many people how incredible it is. So I will do that soon and tweet about it. <laughs> but um, that is a that is a comedy show. I mean, very dark, I think. So kind of the opposite of this, where it's a yeah. comedy that sort of veers into drama, whereas this is a drama nominally that is very funny consistently throughout. 
which I prefer in terms of those two. <laughs> I would much rather watch a funny drama than a depressing comedy. <laughs> I will take either. I'm not picky. As long as it's executed well. I guess Silicon Valley is a dystopia, so I obviously love Silicon Valley. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the characters in this are just so idiosyncratic that I think it gets away with not really doing much plot-wise. Like, the the first several episodes are almost like Case of the Week stuff. Mm. Like, Villanelle has someone to kill, and then Eve kind of runs along after her, in a way. And what you said about her not fault, about Villanelle not following um, normal serial killer tropes, I think, is one of the things that makes the show so successful. Like, Sandra O's performance is incredibly brilliant and she's playing the you know straight woman in a way although she is also a very distinct person well something i was thinking of weirdly in just the very first episode it's one of those shows where you can say you can tell right off the bat that it's going to be brilliant and also why it's going to be brilliant is very clear very quickly but when they first introduce her the kind of initial scenes are she works in an office. She has like a normal kind of friendly, casual relationship with her co-workers. They're all hungover because they've gone to karaoke together. And then they have to solve this bizarre kind of assassin crime thing. And it's very reminiscent of something like Bridget Jones, <laughs> which yes. is not the dynamic you expect because, you know, she's in this really important meeting and she's a bit concerned about being embarrassed in front of her boss, but she's also bickering with her co-workers about like eating a croissant and, and the, because they're all hungover and they feel greasy and that sort of thing. And it's just like the kind of the amount of naturalistic kind of jokiness between characters is so rare, I think. Yes. A lot of the way that she is written, I think, is what makes me like it so much and sort of says to me that women are the primary creative driving force behind the show, and obviously Phoebe Waller-Bridge in particular. Um, When I was first recommending this show to everybody when it first started airing, the thing that I kept citing, and I think some people, when I said this, were like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is bizarre. And other people were like, oh, yes, was that in the first episode, Eve takes a phone call while sitting on a public toilet. And I was like, (laughs) yes! Beautiful, perfect. I have never actually. I feel like there's there's kind of several grades of the way that the public discourse talks about shows that have like good female representation, right? Because like the base level where you're like, fine, is when they're like, yeah, there's like so many strong female characters, and isn't it great that we've got like powerful? And it's like they're talking about like Madam Secretary or something, and you're like, sure, whatever, fuck off. And then like the next level is when you've got something that has very serious feminist themes, like Top of the Lake or Handmaid's Tale, and it's like, okay, I accept this, but also I really feel like I have to maybe do some lunges before I watch this to like stretch out the old muscles. And then you've got the very, you've got the God tier, which is stuff like this. And there's probably only like three or four shows that are, you know, there's like Broad City and The Good Fight and stuff, right? Where it's like kind of the whole appeal of it is that women are messy, but not in the sense of like, 
my life's a mess and I'm hiding my heroin addiction from my coworkers. It's more just like someone is just going to take a phone call on a public toilet and it's not like illustrating that she's a huge trash bag. It's just like, here's a pretty normal part of everyday life. And like the way that the characters are attractive is so interesting because like no one in this show is hot, right? There's like the, the woman who plays Villanelle is definitely like kind of conventionally TV attractive, but they make it really clear that she's kind of, you know, she's putting makeup on and she's like making herself pretty and stuff. So it's not like she's magically materialized like a CSI protagonist looking like a TV character in the morning. Whereas um, Eve, Sandra O's oh's character, looks like a regular middle-aged women, woman. And she's usually wearing kind of shapeless outfits, even though she does have dress sense. And her hair is like very bouffant. And there's just like this wonderful kind of towards like the middle of the series when you start to realize like the two leads have this real sexual tension going on. Villanelle, the serial killer, is just like so into her massive kind of curly hair that she's constantly like just trying to get out of her face. And it's like, that is not something that that's considered to be filmed as attractive in a TV show or movie. Even though obviously like, even though men are tragically restricted by <laughs> what the what is publicly acceptable to find attractive in women. Movies are even more so. You basically only ever just shoot like here's like a hot woman and the camera like pans up and down them. Whereas in this it's like here's Sandra Oh like basically wrestling with a mane of hair to try and get out of her face so she can look at murder photos and Villanelle's like, my goodness, look at the <laughs> hair. It's just <laughs> tremendous. It's like she has a little crush. <laughs> I mean, I think Sandra O's hair is very beautiful. It so. is very beautiful. It is, but it's also like not, it's not TV hair. It looks, I mean, her hair is incredible, right? She, she does have like really thick, beautiful hair. None of it is shot in that, the way you would expect. You know, there's like zero male gaze, but there's also zero kind of traditional sensuality, even though it is literally just like a really sexy show. Yeah. I don't 100% agree with all of that because if she had, <laughs> if she had that hair in real life, it would not look like that. It would look much worse. It would look very frizzy and bad. It's definitely, like, better than normal hair. Well, (laughs) some people have very beautiful hair. Yes, but it takes a lot of upkeep. And that woman, in real life, would not have hair like that. It's part of the... this level that we have. (laughs) (laughs) I also think part of what's appealing about Jodie Comer is that... Who plays Villanelle... Is that, as you say, she is, like, definitely very beautiful. But I actually think she has an incredibly weird face. Well, her facial expressions are very, very silly. (laughs) Yes. But I also think her face itself is quite odd in a way that is not standard for television. Which is, I'm sure, part of the reason that they initially were like, oh, let's test this woman. And then she probably came in for the casting audition and were like, they were like, yes. <laughs> let's, let's have that one. Performance is so nuts. I just, yeah. I love it. Oh my and gosh. I think the fact that she does have a kind of, she's the kind of attractive woman that actually it's interesting to watch as opposed to like a lot of women who wind up on American television who are all forced to look exactly the same mm-hmm. in a way that's like not interesting to me. I don't mean to like denigrate those people because also like if you have your face, you have your face, and, that's, and also like, every single person, is, but like American kind of you know network TV dramas all has to have the same kind of gently curling waved hair. Yes, <laughs> they all have to it, have the same hairstyle per thing. It's, there's a very like test tube sort of aesthetic. Like the men, men too. Like they all just mm. kind of it's like they were bred on Supernatural and then. <laughs> <laughs> have just all been coming from the same place 
for many, many years. But uh, both her face as it is and the way that she's styled and also the way that she makes her face move and speak uh, are just so unbelievably idiosyncratic and bizarre that you really feel like you're watching something that you have not seen before, which is such a pleasure and relief. And one of the things that I appreciate so much about the show is that they do not make a massive effort to psychologize her. Like, she's just a fucking psychopath. She likes to kill people. Great. That's fine. And it's also, there's a lot of aspects of it that within the genre restrictions are quite unexpected because, you know, there's quite a few moments where, for example because she's suddenly got this weird job hunting a serial killer, you're like, well, now Eve's going to lie to her husband and it's going to cause strain in their marriage. And then within about half a second, she folds and she immediately tells her husband everything yes. she's doing. Because it's like, she just, she's just like, she's just used to having a normal office job. And she's like, this is so fun. I'm loving hunting down a serial killer kind of thing. Um, and then like with the sort of actual investigation aspects, I feel like the, even for a pretty high quality crime drama the usual expected situation would be a combination of Eve would have to prove herself probably she'd have to deal with some kind of workplace sexism um and also there would be a lot of kind of technical stuff and there'd be a contrast between people who are you know investigating stuff through their instincts and people who are being like no you have to have proof and there's like literally none of those little genre notes are there because she's been hired because she does have good instincts and there's no point where that's kind of called up as a bad thing and there's no weird inter-office tensions. They just don't bother with any of that stuff and it's just kind of refreshing. It also kind of keeps you, or at least it kept me kind of feeling quite awake because something I would expect something to happen and then it wouldn't because it's not being that formulaic. Although I wonder about the stuff you're saying regarding the sort of office genre stuff. I think they almost don't replace that with anything in a way that in the long term of the show, I think might be a problem because I I feel like kind of the the, the interpersonal stuff, as we said, works really well and it's very British in a very fun way, even though the protagonist is either American or Canadian. I don't know. But um, the, the idea of this going into season two, even though it was automatically renewed is already like, sure why <laughs> I mean it, I don't know what happens at the end of the season but it, it doesn't feel like something that needs to go on for a million years like American TV well I think we can say this is kind of a spoiler but also at 100 like, who cares it doesn't matter but if you don't want to have anything from the later part of the season spoiled for you skip ahead it becomes apparent that the people Villanelle is working for is this sort of shadowy organization called the Twelve. I still don't know what that is exactly, but it is apparent that that's going to be this, the source of plot stuff in the future, right? Is this this organization. I don't give a fuck about yeah, whatever the fuck that is, I right? Like, <laughs> no, I don't care about that in any way. And that's part of what sort of concerns me about it going forward. Hmm. That it could very easily get bogged down in this like larger mythology stuff, which often happens to shows of this general type. Although, as we were saying, I can't think of anything that's exactly like this. But I think that that plays into 
the issues that were sort of underlying in the show at the beginning, which I didn't notice because I was so unbelievably delighted by the good stuff about it, which is that it is not functionally a spy show <laughs> because there's no detail on that end that actually makes any sense, which is fine. But if you want to draw it out, it doesn't work. Yeah, like I absolutely do not care. <laughs> right. Cause it's like, because this is the thing, right? Like you're right. Like in future, it's going to be an issue, but at the moment it has, I would say approximately the same level of plausible world building as the recent terrible Jennifer Lawrence movie, Red Sparrow you know, vague Russian spy antics that they've used as a backdrop to create this person who's essentially a serial killer for hire. Right. So in the third episode, again, if you haven't seen any of this and don't want to get spoiled, skip ahead, but a character gets killed and he gets killed because he sees Villanelle on the street and is like, oh, I've, like, I see the this woman who they know is... They have rec- they can recognize her as the assassin by this point. And he starts trailing her, like, into a nightclub. I was like, you're going to die. I was, like, really right. unclear about that part. Because I was like, does he actually recognize her? Or does he just think that she's a woman who's been hired to follow it? Like, what? No, he 100% <laughs> knows what's going on. And it's there's no way mm. that a person of his level of training would ever do that. It's just that they need him to die for the narrative to progress. Right? So it's, it was things like that, that where the show starts to crumble a little bit. And weirdly, so I was having a conversation with um, our friend Miranda about this. And I said, I had thought it was six episodes at that point. It's actually eight. And I said, you know, I don't really care because the interpersonal stuff is so great. But when you have a really short season like this, as British television often is... I think a lot of the sort of nitty gritty plot stuff kind of falls to the wayside. And weirdly, I wonder if actually making it shorter might have been better because then you can completely just hand wave everything, right? Just be like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Or the alternative would have been having like 13 episodes and actually doing it in like a full on way. Which they don't seem interested in having done or maybe did not have the capacity to do. I don't know. But also, like, I don't want to watch whatever the 18 episode version of this would be. Well, 18, no, no. That, but like, I wonder what, and this is obviously just completely thought experimenting, but like, I wonder what 10 episodes would have looked like. It's kind of interesting. And then they would have just had to change their approach. And that would, like, I have no idea what all the discussions about this I mean, my basic philosophy is that every single TV show should be shorter than it actually is, apart from Star Trek Discovery, which should be twice as long. So, (laughs) not not because I think there should be more, but because they need filler episodes. It's the only show in the world that should have filler episodes. (laughs) (laughs) That is a different conversation. Yes, it is. (laughs) Um, No, it it just was interesting for me to think about like the way that we were kind of talking about this last week with the terror, the way that genre functions in television and what kind of space is required for different kinds of stories. And again, it seems like with this, they just weren't particularly motivated by that aspect. And these are also based on novels. So I have no idea what those novels are like. And it seems I would imagine the novels are very different tonally. And also the Phoebe Waller-Bridge just completely 
like gender swapped a bunch of characters. I think essentially what happened is they took some relatively generic spy thrillers, is my guess, and then Phoebe Waller-Bridge turned it into what we have now. (laughs) And obviously the directors, because like the direction in this is phenomenal. Yes, it's very, very well done. The music is very good. The music is so. Also, also, the music is not only is the music very good, but it's also it almost feels like someone has gone to. I mean, not eight tracks anymore because sadly eight tracks is dead. But the equivalent of like a fan mix site and just typed in like lesbian serial killers and just got like all the fan mixes for that because it's like the the genre is very specific. And <laughs> exactly, it is exactly the soundtrack we have for this show. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, we should talk. Since you since you mentioned that about the sexuality elements of the show, which I think are really interesting and handled really really well and in like an intelligent fashion, because it's simultaneously I think I wrote in our planning document something to the effect of it's simultaneously like very explicitly textually like what is going on, but also maintained like weirdly ambiguous or ambivalent in a way that I think is quite smart and makes it not necessarily more interesting than the alternative. Like a different show could have gone in a much more like full on direction and that could still have worked and been fun. But I, I just think that what they did was very cool. Yeah. And I think it also plays into just an astounding amount of creative yes. freedom. Yes. You've given Phoebe Waller-Bridge here, just like all round for basically every creative choice, but also that because, you know, it's several steps beyond what Hannibal yeah. was permitted to do as a as an NBC shockingly, crime drama. Shockingly. <laughs> Whereas this, yeah, I know, surprisingly enough, but it's like, and this is like essentially... Villanelle is very clearly bisexual. You know, she just has like sex scenes with men and women. So there's like no kind of ambiguity there. And then also there's kind of like one of the side characters is like having these very kind of casual conversations about being bisexual as well. And then with Sandra O's character, it's like she's kind of nominally straight, but like she's like whatever, a bit open-minded or whatever, but she's married. So it's kind of irrelevant to her life. And then once Villanelle comes into her life, it's adding this like whole like weird obsession situation that becomes very all-consuming, which is obviously kind of a a common theme in this kind of story, but they do handle it in a very interesting way. Because you don't there's no point where you're like, oh, this is totally gonna have like a really happy romantic ending, like with Hannibal. But at the same time, it's like they've really made the sexual tension work while also Sandra O's character, she's not gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna have like a homoerotic grapple to the death with this person because she's literally like a normal middle-aged woman who works in an office so when she's actually confronted by a hyper-trained serial killer with like with like all these cool kind of russian assassin skills she's just like screaming and crying (laughs) in the bath like what the fuck's going on it's It's very funny funny. it's i mean that whole scene where they finally sort of meet is amazing so good like just absolutely hilarious um because it simultaneously has this sort of erotic charge but is incredibly realistic in the sense that eve is just like what the fuck what the fuck like get out of my house (laughs) which is what would happen like even if you are kind of obsessed from afar with this woman in like a kind of weird way like you you don't really know what's going on if she actually showed up you would be like no (laughs) no 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 (laughs) um 
And obviously there's all the sort of midlife crisis stuff playing into it. Like her husband is kind of boring and she's like, ugh, whatever. And, but like, she actually does love him. And the whole thing is just like, there are a lot of layers that I think are very psychologically astute. Um, that I just, I just think it's really, really well done. Um, and the, again, the whole way like Jodie Comer plays it is great. When she like picks up the, random lady and is like you're gonna be eve now <laughs> she picks up a woman who has vaguely similar hair to eve and is just like we're just gonna have some like <laughs> gonna do some role playing now and it's like the wow. woman has okay. no idea what's going on at all oh my god it's just it's just fantastic but also the fact that like it this is obviously central to what the show is doing but is done quite casually and isn't you know like the point exactly no one's having crises over Very anything. refreshing. And again, I think kind of speaks to the fact that they, I'm sure that, of course, the Waller-Bridge and the other writers and producers were given notes from the BBC, but it certainly seems like they were pretty laissez-faire about this, which is refreshing, as you say, compared to other popular media products, for instance, Hannibal, <laughs> which I never even finished, but it's a stark contrast. Yeah, very fun. What else is there to discuss? I think we've covered everything. I mean, we've showered it in effusive praise for how hilarious and charming it is. Lots of wonderful outfits. Oh, in this the show clothes too. are great. There's, there's, there's an interview with the costume designer that I need to read now. I've actually caught up with a few episodes. But the clothes are just great because it's like they're all very kind of age and character appropriate. But also you can tell that Villanelle is really into costuming herself because she yes. sort of puts on different outfits depending on how she's feeling, which I very much identify <laughs> with. Yeah, I really enjoyed all the clothes stuff. I mean, every element of the show is so thoughtfully and carefully done. And although I have have my critiques, I would definitely highly recommend this to anyone. And it's interesting. I think it's definitely a show that wants you to have fun watching it. And I find it very pleasurable. And I think one of the things that is quite intriguing about it is that I can't tell how sympathetic you're supposed to be towards Villanelle. Like you're not supposed to think she's like secretly a good person or like actually that tormented. Like I was saying earlier, she's just psychopath, no, she's right? she's not tormented. And um, <laughs> I think they do a very good job when they're showing, especially in the early episodes when they're doing the kind of like murder of the week thing. It's really awful and gruesome when she's killing these people, like it's not like they do a good job of coming up with sort of creative and interesting ways for her to achieve this. <laughs> so it's pleasurable in a way to watch it. And obviously if you're someone who really can't handle violence, you shouldn't watch this, but I don't want to make it sound like this is like incredibly traumatizing to watch because it's not, but like visually it's, it's much lower. Key oh yeah. Like I've been watching it with a friend who doesn't, she basically like doesn't watch anything gory or violent and she you will just close her eyes for a couple of yeah. seconds at some points but they very much kind of do the the kind of the subtle thriller thing where someone's gonna get stabbed in the eye they'll film someone's reaction instead of yes. having to watch some an ice pick go through someone's right. eye or whatever so they don't they're not emphasizing the gore at all but i think they do they're very smart about having it seem like emphasizing the morality of her actions right as opposed to some serial killer media where it's just like isn't this so sexy that this guy always a guy is killing all these people 
And like, no, no, it's not. Yeah, no, she like murders someone in front of his grandson and it's like, seems like this probably isn't right. right. <laughs> but at the same time, she's so charismatic that, and you just spend enough time with her that it's very hard not to inevitably kind of start like wanting her to get out of jams you know like there's a there's a jam she gets into quite late on that you just kind of are like well she has to get out of this because the show has to keep going and like how is it going to happen and you just want her to get out of the jam and um yeah i'm currently in the jam now and i'm like how is she right. gonna escape the jam <laughs> and i i think that's another thing that even though the it sort of technical plot elements I think are not super super impressive and I think if the show goes on for a longish time could sort of overtake the positives that the combination of the character stuff and this sense of it's not even moral ambiguity because it's clearly like there is no moral ambiguity she's murdering people but the weird sense of not knowing quite how you feel about her despite this, I think is very well executed. And I think they really know what they're doing on that front. Well, I think kind of the, the interesting thing about, like the only interesting thing about the overarching spy plot with like, oh, the 12 is the idea that Villanelle is kind of being taken advantage of. Not in the sense that it's like, oh, she's like a victim or whatever, but they figured out that she's really good at killing and just wants to kill people indiscriminately and they're kind of using her yeah. as a weapon. And so it's like the happily ever after for her is a scenario where she can creatively murder people for fun and not have it accidentally like destabilize world government. Right. Yeah, if they could just... <laughs> Which is not a morally positive like ending, but that is like her happy ending, preferably with like even some kind of controlling capacity. <laughs> Yeah, if the British government could just hire her as an assassin, then everyone would be happy. It would be fine. Just done. Perfect. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. I uh, watched this show. It's great. Highly entertaining. Thank you for listening to this. If you would like to subscribe to our Patreon, vote on other future episodes, etc., etc., you can do so at patreon.com slash overinvestedpodcast. Otherwise, you can find us on Twitter at overinvestedpod, on Tumblr at overinvestedpodcast, or at our website, overinvestedpodcast.com. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>